Good to see you. You're looking well. You're looking well. Who all knows that anger is a big cult or a big problem in our culture? Who knows that? Mike is in the stage now where he'll just lie down and scream and kick his feet and just lose the plot over anything. But in society, anger is a real issue. It's a problem. Road rage is a problem in today's moderns. People just flip the lid. Like the guy last week came in, <coughs> flipped the lid, just flipped the lid for the smallest, even the smallest little things. And I think that under the surface of many people, there's just these volcanoes getting ready to just explode. Explode. Do you know a survey found out once that we tend to fly into your rage on average four times a day? What do you think that's that, Ross? Four times a day. Four times a day. Yeah. That's what the survey on average. Four times a day we fly into a fit of rage. If we've been standing in a queue for Starbucks. <coughs> sorry, Halifax hasn't got a Starbucks. Sorry, let's, let's go down the market. Costa. If we're standing in a queue for Costa for ages and someone comes and bunks a queue, we get angry, right? Don't we? Let's be honest, we do. Yes, we do. If we're stuck in traffic whenever we're in a hurry, we get angry. We get upset at that. Of course we do. If we're, if we're in the shops and we're going to pay for our goods and, and, and we go to the cashier and we give her the money, we put her hand out for the chains and she puts the chains on the counter rather than in her hands, we get angry, right? Of course we do. Or whenever you go to phone the insurance company to make a claim. Once you get through the process, if you're an existing customer, please press one. If you're a new customer, please press two. If you want to make a claim, please press 14. And then when you do you finally get through to somebody, you get through to a foreign call center who tell you you phoned the wrong people, they give you another number, then when you phone that, you're right back to where you started, and you got to get through it all again. That gets us angry. Fuming. When we got to deal with cheeky neighbors, arrogant neighbors gets us angry. When you hear or see racist or bigoted behavior, it gets us angry. When you experience bad driving, we normally get angry at the woman driving the car. <laughs> when we hear people swear loudly in public when our kids are present, it gets us angry, right? Do you know one in four people in the UK struggle with anger on a daily basis? One in four people struggle with anger. Who all knows it's very difficult to stay happy when your spouse or the person closest to you is in a bad mood? Come on, man. That's why we need to find out what triggers anger. Things like I just read there, what, what triggers these spurts of anger... And again, we've got to turn to the Word of God to find the answers like we did the other week. There's this man in Scripture who had a really bad temper. His name was Moses. Now, maybe you don't know much about him and his anger, but you'll see he was a very angry person, and he struggled with anger a lot of his life. Now, I hope that by reading some of this biography, we could learn what to do when it comes to anger. We're going to look briefly at a few times in Moses' life 
when his anger got the better of him. We're going to think about why he was so angry and what Moses could have done in those fits, so to speak, of anger. And the first thing you can learn from Moses about dealing with an angry person, even if that angry person is you, is this. Find out what makes you tick. Find out what makes you tick so then you can discover what ticks you off. The first time that Moses had a fit of reeds, he was 40 years old and he was deciding to associate himself with the Hebrews, which are his biological family, rather than, than, uh, than the, 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 the Egyptians who were his adoptive family. And it was at this point of his life that he was motivated to kill somebody. To kill somebody. Listen to, listen to Exodus 2 verse 11. It says, one day, many years later, when Moses had grown up and become a man, he went out to visit his fellow Hebrews and saw the terrible conditions they were under. During his visit, he saw an Egyptian knock a Hebrew to the ground, one of his own Hebrew brothers. Moses looked this way and that way to make sure no one was watching, then killed the Egyptian and hid his body in the sand. How could somebody get so angry that they take the life of another human being? How could such a great man do such a horrible, horrible thing? See, Moses had what we call today issues. He had some real serious issues. Now, we're not told how old he was whenever he discovered he was adopted. Maybe, maybe he always knew. Maybe he was told when he was a young child. We don't know. But in his early life, he was torn between these two identities, the Egyptians and the Hebrews. Now, eventually, of course, he made the right choice. It says in Hebrews eleven twenty four, it was by faith that Moses, when he grew up, refused to be treated as the grandson of the king, but chose to share ill treatment with God's people instead of enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. And do you know what, church? You guys also have got to make a, 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 a decision who you're going to identify with. Are you going to identify with God's people or are you going to identify with the, with the people who only seek after the, the temporary luxuries that sin brings? See, you can't live in two worlds. Far too many Christians are living with one foot in the word and one foot in the world and they wonder why they're not seeing the manifestation of God's power in their life. You cannot live with your feet in two worlds. You cannot live on the balance beam between these two worlds. You've got to choose who you're going to identify with. James 1 verse 8 says, a double-minded uh, double man or woman is unstable in all their ways. So Moses, well, he makes the right choice. And that's one of the reasons why he became such a great man of faith and a great example of faith. Now what you've got to understand is making that one right choice didn't cancel out all the other right choices that he had to make throughout his life. See, he chose, he chose wisely in identifying with God's people. But listen to this, he failed to deal with the inner issues that were associated with his choice. When he saw the Egyptians mistreating his, his Hebrew brothers, his emotions went, he lost the plot. And he gave in to temptation and he took matters into his own hands. Ever take matters into your own hands? 
And now we find that Moses learns a very difficult and hard lesson that you cannot do the right thing the wrong way and still expect it to be the right thing. It doesn't, that's an oxy, it doesn't work like that. James 1.19 says, Dear brothers, don't even forget that it is best to listen much, speak little, and not become angry, for anger doesn't make us good as God demands that we must be. See, anger, it's a natural emotion. Put up your hand if you've never experienced anger. Micah says, me, (laughs) definitely not true. No. (laughs) It's a natural emotion felt by everybody at one time or another, but it's what we do with our anger that's important. It's what we do with that anger that's important. Ephesians 4.26 says, if you're angry... Don't sin by nursing your grudge. Don't let the sun go down with you still angry. Get over it quickly. Somebody once says, get over yourself. How often do we hold on to stupid little things and let those stupid little things dictate our future? Listen, if somebody annoys you, get over yourself. Get over yourself. Now, getting angry isn't always a sin. Even God gets angry But it's letting anger gain control over us. That's the dangerous thing. Anybody ever let anger take over? Anyone ever let anger take over this morning? I'm joking. I'm not really. God gets angry. But you must never let anger control you. And that's what happened to Moses. Why did he do it? Because he let the thing that made him tick, tick him off. And what was it that made Moses tick? Well, he loved his people. He loved the Hebrew people. He cared so much about the Hebrew people. That's what made him tick. He was filled with compassion and concern for the Hebrew people. And as a result, filled with with sorrow and so filled with anger and and with rage when he witnessed the the Egyptians mistreating him. I mean, how could he not be angry? How could he not be angry? You can't blame Moses for being peeved off. You can't. All of us should be angered by injustice. It should really annoy us. Don't you think? But Moses didn't control his emotions. See, healthy anger crossed the line and became murder. Was it okay for him to be angry at what he's saying? Of course it was. That's what made him tick. And he eventually became a great servant of God in delivering his people from injustice. Precisely because that's the things that made him tick. That's what he was passionate about. But he fell, church, from his moral high ground when he committed an act of injustice in order to deliver someone else from an act of injustice. It doesn't work that way. You can't do things like that. He, he was like a man who, who incorrectly tries to prove his respect for life by murdering a doctor who commits abortions. It's never right to do wrong in order for a chance to do right. We've got to work out what makes us tick and be hard. Keep our fences up and dealing with something that we're passionate about. Be careful to not let what makes you tick 
leave you off. Dangerous ground. Be aware that those things that make you tick can bring you into a, se- a situation where you can lose your temper. But listen, never, never, never compromise your convictions in order to prove a point. We're very quick at doing that. You've got to be honest with yourself about your feelings and don't let your emotions control you. Be self-aware. Realize that the things that make you tick are the very things that can tick you off. And do you know for his offense, he spent the next 40 years walking in the wilderness. 40 years. Now this next recorded display of anger is a balanced one. See, he answers God's 10th plague on Egypt. He gets angry, just like God did, because of a pure lack of, of respect for divine authority. He lost, he lost the plot there. Exodus 11, it says, burning with anger, Moses left Pharaoh's presence. He wasn't throwing things. He wasn't, he wasn't yelling at people. He wasn't, he wasn't hitting people. He just left. He just walked out. Moses had learned something about controlling his temp. Unfortunately, our weaknesses don't only get tested once or twice in this life. Who knows that? They can come and they can come and they can come. And Moses faced this other test of temper when he was out in the wilderness that leads us to the, to the guidelines for dealing with an angry person, including yourself, number two. And here it is, count to ten. Turn to your neighbor and say, count to ten. Say it again. Count to ten. Who's, who's heard that old saying before? Yeah? Just count to ten, we love. It's fine. Count to ten. And you can say it really patronizing, can't you? When your wife's having to go, just count to ten, darling. It's fine. Just count to ten. See, when you feel yourself getting angry, you got to count to ten before you say something or do something you'll regret. It gives us time to think about our words. It gives us time to think about our actions. Who always counts? <laughs> no, me neither. But it's good advice all the same, isn't it? <laughs> We've got to tell ourselves, which is why I can preach it. We've got to tell ourselves to count to ten. And then the next scripture, while Moses was on top of a Mount, Mount, Mount Sinai, you think that Moses would have learned something about counting to ten because God was giving him the ten commandments. But he didn't really. And it was while he was up there that God, that God said to Moses, to see all the people, they're down there, and then they're going mental, and they're building idols, and they're worshipping things they shouldn't be worshipping, and they're, and, and, and they're just falling into self, what's that word, indulgence. And God gets angry at the sheer ungratefulness of the Hebrew people. He gets angry. He had heard their prayers. He brings them out of Egypt. He feeds them by day, gives them a pillar of fire, all this kind of stuff, and he splits the Red Sea. And when Moses turns his back for two seconds, the people are out there making golden calves and worshipping golden calves and, and, and wanting to go back to Egypt. Listen to Exodus 32, verse 9. Then the Lord said, I have seen what a stubborn, rebellious lot these people are. Now leave me alone, and my anger shall blaze out against them and destroy them all. And I'll make you, Moses, into a great nation instead of them. Now, what happens next is a bit ironic, really. Moses asks God to count to ten. He does. He asks God to reconsider. It's kind of ironic because a man with a bad temper is asking God to have mercy. 
God doesn't need to count to ten like you and me. God never does anything unjust in his anger like we do. What God does in his anger is always right. But here you've got a man who doesn't always do what's right, asking God to reconsider his actions. Now obviously God, God says yes, and God withhold, withholds that, that uh, punishment from the Hebrew people. But it also becomes ironic because of what happens next when Moses and his right-hand man Joshua go back down the mountain and they witness firsthand what the people are doing. Moses' attitude changes. Listen to this. It says, when they came near the camp, Moses' calf and the dancing, and in terrible anger, he threw the tablets on the ground and they broke into pieces at the foot of the mountain. See, a lot of people have thrown things when they're angry. But it's what Moses threw that kind of raises the eyebrows. He threw the Ten Commandments to the ground and he smashed them into pieces. Which proves, church, when you lose your temper, you can break all the commandments. Get angry with God and decide to go and serve other gods. You might get angry with your spouse and decide to break your marital vows. You may get angry with your boss and decide to steal from him by being laxed in your responsibilities and duties. You might get angry and murder someone's reputation by gossiping about them behind their back. See, anger may lead to you overstepping many boundaries that God has given us in order to live a healthy and spiritual life. Can you imagine how sacred those commandments would be if they were around now? Even, even the second ones that God gave to Moses. I think they'd be to be in a museum somewhere where millions of people would come every year just to see them. Was throwing the Ten Commandments to the ground, was that a righteous indignation on Moses' part? Or was it just another lapse of self-control? I think it was kind of both. But it's the part of the lapse of self-control that we need to focus on in our lives. You need to learn how to handle your anger you got to learn. you got to learn to get a hold of your anger when you see people doing things that they shouldn't do. you got to learn. When people break the law, it makes us angry, right? Doesn't it? When you hear of people stealing and thugs going out and beating people up and selling drugs to teenagers, it gets us angry, right? Or is it just me? It gets us angry. When somebody breaks into your house and steals your stuff, it gets us angry. It it, it gets us furious. It makes you angry, and there's nothing wrong with being angry at things like that. There's nothing wrong with being angry at the injustice that we see in this world. If somebody pulls a bullet in your face and steals your purse or your wallet, you can be justifiably angry. That's okay. But even though it makes us angry to see some people commit crimes, it also makes us angry to see Bruce or, or police brutality. See, policemen's got a very difficult job, somewhat the same as Moses had, where they have to enforce the law without losing their temper. That's difficult. That's difficult. How do you do that? Even parents need this wisdom for raising good kids. I mean, how do you discipline your children without breaking their spirit? He just says, he just say, 
All right, oh, no, that's not nice. See, one of the reasons for counting to 10 is to, to give yourself time to remember how God has been merciful to you over the years. And sometimes we can forget that. See, Moses could have counted to 10. He could have counted to 10. He could have thought about how merciful God was up the mountain by withholding punishment and judgment on the people. Moses could have reminded himself of that fact. See, we shouldn't totally exonerate lawbreakers, church. We've got to have an orderly society. We've got to have peaceful society, and crime can never go unpunished. But justice should always be administered in a dispassionate manner. And that's what counting to 10 is all about. It's time to gain control over your emotions rather than just flipping the lid, which is not what God wants us to do. And then not throw things. You're listening well. He's with me so far? Praise the Lord. Now thirdly, our study of Moses' anger management problems shows us the guidelines of how to deal with an angry person, even if that angry person is yourself, is this. Don't play God. Turn to your neighbor and say, don't play God. Don't play God, church. And you can find that in Numbers chapter 20. See, the Hebrews were complaining about not having any water. They were saying they were better off back in Egypt than to die out here in the wilderness and die of thirst. And this complaint went back and forward, back and forward, back and forward, back and forward, like an old broken record to these people. Now you can imagine that this moaning, whinging and complaining was beginning to get on Moses' nerves. It's tough to lead a congregation of complainers. They should learn by now how to trust God, but they remain spiritually immature, which is the primary reason why they walk so long in the wilderness. Now you might say to yourself, well, hang on a second. Moses listened to the whining and grinding for so long, maybe he was, a, he, he, he was justifiable in losing his temper. Now maybe you see yourself like Moses. Maybe you've listened to the grinding and moaning and complaining, whining, of a co-worker or a family member for years and years and years and years and you're fed up to the back teeth of it. Maybe you feel like reciting that old thing. I've only got one nerve left and you're getting on it. But maybe you see yourself as the Hebrews as well. Maybe God has proven himself again and again and again and again and again in your life, but you're still moaning and complaining and whinging because God hasn't fulfilled your expectations or met all of your needs yet. Perhaps maybe if we just stop complaining for a moment and start to trust God and start to praise God, then maybe we'll stop wandering in circles. See, God gave Moses explicit instructions for meeting the needs of the people. Listen to this. In Numbers 20, verse 8, Moses, get your walking stick. Then you and Aaron call the people together and come to the rock to give you water. That's how you will provide water for the people of Israel and their livestock. Moses obeyed and took his stick from the sacred tent. After he and Aaron had gathered the people around the rock, he said, Look, you rebellious people, 
and you will see water flow from this rock. He raised his stick in the air and struck the rock two times at once. Water gushed from the rock, and the people and their livestock had water to drink. Now you can imagine, these people are gurning and whinging and moaning. We're better off back in Egypt. We're better off going back to where we came from. At least there we'll have something to drink rather than die out here in the desert. Why did he? Moses would have lost the plot. He had lost the plot. Lost it. But listen to verse 12. But the Lord, because you refused to believe in my power, these people did not respect the ones to lead them into the land I've promised. See, in anger, Moses hit the rock with his stick rather than speak to it like God had told him to. And this fit of anger was so serious that it kept Moses from entering the promised land. That's massive. Can you imagine not being able to fulfill uh, the realization of a lifelong dream? That's what anger can do. Sink in for a little moment. That's what anger can do. What blessings of God is anger keeping you from experiencing? God said, command this rock to give you water. Just talk to it. Just talk to the rock. But Moses was so mad at the people and so frustrated, he lost the plot. He hit the rock with a walking stick, not once, but twice. He was really angry, and he wanted to know it. Who knows that an angry person wants other people to see their anger? That's why you smash things and break things and throw things on the floor and scream and shout and yell and bawl like a big Jesse because you want other people to see your anger. Truth. Angry people want other people to know they're angry. Anybody who's ever faced an angry person knows you can just tell by the look in their face that they're peeved off. Because fear and rage reflects on your face. But in this instance, church, it not only reflected those attitudes in Moses' spirit, but it also deflected from the glory of God. That's the dangerous thing. It wasn't Moses striking the rock that provided for the needs of the people. It was God's power. It wasn't Moses' temper that needed to be the focus of attention that hot day. It was God's power. So in his fit of temper, Moses was robbing God of his glory. Don't play God with your anger. Don't play God with your anger. Don't think that you can accomplish with your temper what only God alone can accomplish with his power. Don't think that for one moment. And the magnitude of this church was multiplied by the time frame which it occurred. Moses, Moses wasn't just some leader just out of the gates. He wasn't just some wee young nipper snapper. This was, this was year 38 of 40 walking in the wilderness. Now the argument could be made as well. Like I said earlier, maybe, maybe you could say, well, 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 Moses heard the moaning and the complaining for so long that, 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 that his temper was justified. But then maybe you could flip the script on that and say, well, listen, God gave Moses 78 years to get his under control. How long has God been dealing with you and your temper? How long? Don't forfeit the blessings of God just to hang on to your anger because someone upset you. Get over yourself. So find out what makes you tick. So you can find out what ticks you off. Count to ten. Don't play God with 
we're going to stand and seek God's face. Because you've got to be honest with yourself. Like I'm honest with myself. Do I struggle sometimes with anger? Absolutely. Do I like it? Hate that about myself. Do I want it gone? That's why I'm preaching it. Do you want it gone? Bless you, maker. Only honest one. So we're going to stand. We're going to worship the King of Kings like he deserves to be worshipped. You know, you know, there was a football match last night. Leeds were playing Huddersfield. Huddersfield get whitewashed. As they do. No, I don't even follow football. I'm just Joshua. But you know what, guys? Do you see when those football teams score, people go ballistic. And I'm like, Jesus loves you. All right. What's inside of you will come out of you? That excitement, that passion because you're saved and born again with the Spirit of God should be busting out of every pore of your body. You should not be able to contain yourself because God is in the house because of holy gear. You should be running around this auditorium shouting, screaming, dancing and getting excited because the King of Kings and the Lord of all Lords is here in our presence. We are in His presence. Don't let the flesh keep you down. Don't let embarrassment keep you down. Because I wouldn't care less. Because you see, when Jesus, when we're standing there in front of Jesus, we won't care. And he's here this morning. So let's worship him like he deserves to be worshipped. Let's honor him like he deserves to be honored. By standing to your feet and letting that joy pour out of our innermost being in Jesus.